something. You hung in there like we said. It's going to be tough. You fought all the way down to the end, and you made the play to win the football game. It wasn't always pretty, but you know what? All year, you find a way to win. And I'll tell you what, we're going down to the Orange Bowl, aren't we? You guys know this. Oklahoma plays dang good in the Orange Bowl, don't they? It's hard to beat that orange bowl. And I'm going to tell you something. We can't wait. Bring on whoever it is, right? That's head football coach Bob Stoops after the 2000 Big 12 championship going down to the Orange Bowl. Uh, end up being Florida State getting the win, hoisting the trophy, carried off the field. What a scene. Uh, beat Kansas State twice that year, yep. a really good Kansas State team twice that year to get there. And um, while this is not the 2000 Kansas State team, it's still an incredibly dangerous group of guys. They've got an athletic quarterback that can make you pay with his legs, throws a really nice deep ball, um, one of the best running backs in the country, the best running back that we've faced. I think they've got the best the best running back, the best wide receiver, and definitely the best best defensive players that we've seen up to this point. I thought we were going to go down a little bit more uh, memory lane there with OU and Kansas State for 2000. That's why I uh, played that one. And the one thing that I love okay. about those uh, old like locker room videos with Bob is, buddy, when he's proud of his team or you know it's after a big win – He's got that index finger pointing when he's talking and firing everyone up. That's like signature Bob Stoops there in the locker room. He's got that finger pointing right there when he's talking to the team. That is, uh, that's the good stuff, and that that was probably his best win or biggest win over Kansas State. It has to be that 2000 Big 12 championship game to go to the national championship, which, yeah, K-State was ranked in the top eight twice that year. And to beat those guys twice, once in Manhattan, once in Kansas City, it's it's incredible. And this might be the last time that you play K-State at home in a long, long, long time. Long time. Well, that's a good point. I hadn't thought of that. Um, that That's true, and that's interesting. What did that 2000 Kansas State team, what did their record end up being? Do you know? They, did they lose to Nebraska that year? No, they beat Nebraska. They beat oh, – Gosh. Oh yeah, that obviously. Um, sh- I'm gonna sound like a nerd again, but will you check and see if Kansas State won that game 29 to 28 in Manhattan that year? I know they beat Nebraska okay, in Manhattan. Checking. That's why they were able to play uh, OU in the Big 12 championship game, and I think K State beat Tennessee that year in the Cotton Bowl. If you can also check that one, I think they beat Tennessee pretty handily. Okay. We'll do. Let's see. They lost to Oklahoma. They beat number four Nebraska 29-28 Man. in Manhattan Yep, in front of a, a screaming 53,811. Didn't they beat Tennessee um, in the Cotton Bowl that year? Beat Tennessee in the Cotton Bowl. They also lost to A&M at A&M that year. Lost to Oklahoma twice and Texas A&M. How about that? 26-10. Woo. Beat him in Aggie Land, right? Is that where that happened? Yeah, down in uh, uh, College Station. 
Wow. Yeah, it, well, it, it's interesting that Bob had so much immediate success over Bill Snyder because we're still talking about today about, and I'm not, well, I, I mean, I, I will ca- compare a little bit the coaching jobs. Like, Bill Snyder never won a national championship. Saban's won a ton. But we're always talking about Saban's ex-assistant uh, coaches are never able to beat him. I guess, what, Jimbo was the first one last year to do it? It's been really hard on those guys. And Bob came right out of the chute beating Bill Snyder. Yeah, I guess he beat Bill Snyder yeah. his first, like, three times that they played. Yeah. Um, ultimately, though, Coach Snyder got his revenge in 03 in the Big 12 championship game. Yeah. Well, th- you know, this is one of the games that I'll miss. I, lo- I like playing Kansas State. I, I find them to be a totally worthy opponent that – that handles themselves really well. It's what you want in a football team. Hard-nosed, physical, um, play play hard on all three phases. They t- they play well, – I mean, we have teams all across the country that cannot figure this out, but Kansas State does it routinely that they play way above the talent on their roster, right? And there's something to be said about teams and programs that can do that consistently. It's, it's, it's an accomplishment. Yeah, for sure. it, but it seems like it's even more like they, they almost take it to another level once it comes to Oklahoma. And yes, I know the old line that, you know, OU gets everyone's best shot. And, and I, that's definitely true, but I don't know. I feel like it's more true for certain teams and Kansas state has been the team here over the past decade where it's maybe been more true than anyone else. Like they, and maybe it's just because they've been, they've had the right blueprint to slow down powerful OU offenses that have had holes defensively. But you have seen the best of Kansas State kind of routinely. What I mean, their past ten games, OU's only six and four with a whole lot more talent. So that's right. kind of what you're fighting against nope. tomorrow. Is is just that is they brought their best when they play you. If you bring your best, you should be fine. But. I feel like it's been a while since we've said, yeah, OU brought their best against Kansas State. And what Kansas State tried to do and maximize their talent level, that was nice, but they really had no chance against OU today. Like, the the talent gap was pretty massive here. Yeah. Let me ask you a question, if you're so smart. Uh Uh-huh. Do you have any idea who Kansas State opened the season against in 2000? Um, no. I'll give you a hint. I don't. I'll give you a hint. It For them, it was probably the best non-conference game they've ever had up to that point because, remember, they scheduled the crappiest teams ever um, to get all those wins. It was played at a neutral site, Kansas City, Missouri, Eddie Robinson Classic. The Eddie Robinson Classic. I don't know why I'm thinking that they played Iowa there. I think that that was Nebraska that played Iowa during that time frame. Uh, I'm thinking this one Iowa. It is Iowa? Okay, well, there you go. It's Iowa, yeah. Yeah, you're a loser. Yeah, I am. We've established that. I'm not – I didn't become a loser today. I've been a loser for a while now. (laughs) I just want that out there. This is not happening today. Again, all knowledge from – before you turned 21, mm-hmm. um, that's where it's Don't all Don't ask me anything that happened two intact. years ago. Don't ask me anything <laughs> that happened two years ago, I promise. How are you, how are you feeling? Um, dude, which, by the way, 
I ask score predictions from OU fans on both Facebook and Twitter, and it's like, Uncle is Steely's uncle is commenting on all these. I think Uncle picked like really? seventy. Hey, I think Uncle picked like seventy nine and nothing this morning on the T Row in the morning show. I feel like everyone else is picking like ah forty five. So like this is going to be a blowout. Are you feeling as good as everyone else that they're going to cover the twelve and a half? <sighs> Unfortunately, yes. I feel good about the football game, and I've felt better and better about it as the week has, um, you know, continued to unfold. I think we hold them to 13 points. Um, I think that we're able to – I think we're able to score. I think it's going to be tough early, but once we start to separate – they're gonna. They're not gonna be able to just rely on the running game as this as the score kind of gets not out of hand. But they've got to start to make something happen. And Adrian Martinez is not that type of quarterback. So that's where I think it kind of unravels on them. I think we have some turnovers and are able to take advantage of them. Yeah, I've had thirty five fourteen all week long, and I I'm not ready to move off that. Um, I'm, I feel pretty good about that. What would you say it was, 35-14? 35-14 is kind of where – it's not yeah. kind of – it's where I have been all week long. I'll say this, though, and I had it written down on the rundown sheet today of do we have a better idea of who OU's number two wide receiver is going to be. Uh, if they're going to get to 35 and they're going to have the final score that me, you, and everyone else thinks, like, I think Kansas State is good enough not to completely shut down Marvin Mims, but to limit his ability – um, offensively, they're good enough to do that. You're going to have to have a number two, a number three wide receiver show up like you did last week. There was a, yeah. there, there was times in the offense this year where it almost felt like it was Marvin Mims or bust. That hasn't lasted very long, but there have been times where it felt like that. Farouk's got to have another nice game like last week. Theo Weiss has got to be a problem. Drake Stoops, like those guys have to be involved if we're talking about OU scoring 35 tomorrow. Okay. I totally agree, but and so does everyone else. But you got to say who you think it's going to be. Oh, you it's going to be Jaleel Farouk. It. It's going to be Jaleel Farouk. I thought that went okay. without saying. I thought everyone automatically knew who it was going to be. Sorry. I thought it was nice that we were able to connect with him on a deep ball finally. Beautiful throw to the corner of the end zone, front corner of the end zone by Dylan Gabriel. Um. Why no love for Theo V's, who just had uh, his first touchdown of the season on a great little – I've got plenty uh, of love for Theo Wees. That's why he's going to be the third-leading wide receiver tomorrow. And that life ain't all that bad. You can be the third-leading wide receiver. You can have uh, four catches for 50 yards and a touchdown. It's not a bad life. It's no disrespect to yeah. him. Well – He's the number – Theo Weiss is the number two wide receiver right now with eight catches, 120 yards, and a touchdown. I I think that I think that continues. You know, Mims, he, he almost always ends up opposite of Mims, which leaves him with some unique coverages that he's going to be easier to exploit, I think, than it is with Farouk. So I will say for – Tomorrow's football game, Theo V's will be the number two wide receiver. And uh, he'll have yeah. six catches, 82 yards, and a touchdown. 
It's incredible, isn't it? Teddy talks all week long about Braden Willis and calling him the best player on the team. And, oh, he's just yeah. a great guy. And then he doesn't even bring up Braden Willis as the second leading receiver tomorrow. Jeez. Uh, I don't I don't think he'll be the second leading receiver, but I feel confident that he will be the best player on the field for the offense yet again. <laughs> well, I would like that to mean four catches uh, with a couple of touchdowns. Like uh, I think what if it, what if it like. means what if it means three or four pancake blocks that lead to 50 yard touchdown runs? As long as it's with the running back that I prefer, then I'll allow it. Because the running back, the running back debate, it's not as hot as it's oh, been man. in the previous week. It, it's cooled down. I miss Eric, Eric Gray I know. Where'd like, they go? A week ago today, we someone texted in and said, "Yeah, there was a slight breeze in Norman today, and Eric Gray fell down." Not getting those texts yeah. anymore. Yeah, what's the deal there? Has, has did that entire debate go absolutely ice cold there's no one else that even said anything no 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 claims of a fluke no no nothing huh it's just gone cold yeah just completely gone cold it's more about the running back debate has transformed into the Dylan Gabriel's not as good as he needs to be debate that's what it turned into and I'm excited to see what the new debate is next week after uh he shuts some people up after tomorrow's hey, game all of that being said I agree. I agree. Dylan Gabriel can be better. Well, sure, everyone I'm, agrees with that. Dylan Gabriel agrees yeah. with that. But there's a difference in being better and thinking that he's a trash quarterback that misses on too many throws. Like that. That's been my whole like argument. Is yes, he missed some throws on Saturday. He also made a few really, really like like nice throws last week. Like let's not get yeah, it's, over our skis and call him a bad QB. No, it's really weird. He makes. Like his deep balls are just glorious, Tyler. That one to Mims where he got interfered with was like dropped in a bucket. It was beautiful, um, and you know the the one to Farouk was was awesome. The that little um, you know quick slant into that tight window that he that he threw in there to Theo Weiss was was awesome. He makes a bunch of really really high level throws. But he misses on some that you totally expect him to hit on. I just think it's a, it's a little bit of a consistency issue, and I think he's going to work it out. The, here's the good thing. We're 3-0, and just had a, a huge win on the road uh, against a Power 5 non-conference, and we're sitting here saying our quarterback can play quite a bit better, and I'm confident that he will play better, which means this team isn't even close to hitting what, what's going to be their peak. And I think, that's a, I think that's a really good place to be in, as long as you continue to get better and hit that spot, right? Not that you don't, you don't you kind of stay in the same area the rest of the season. He's, he's got to continue to get better, and I think he will. Um, text line, good afternoon. Started late today because of some alcohol. If you haven't talked about it, I would like to hear your take on T. Rose's prediction that OU will have more return yards than Kansas State. Toby from the Pentagon. So Toby from the Pentagon actually stopped by the station today. Oh, um, nice. Yeah, he, he left you a Pentagon T-shirt. He gave me a hat. Like He left a bag full of... All sorts of cool stuff. Like he left a sleeve. Awesome. Of, he left a sleeve of golf balls 
that I think has the 82nd Airborne uh, logo on it. Like, he left some wow. really, really – Yeah, man. He's making his first – he's been a lifelong OU fan, and he's making his trip for, to his first OU game this weekend. And what I told Toby is wow. you are making – like, this is a really good weekend for your first – Unless they lose, and then no we'll doubt. all blame uh, Toby next week that it's his fault. Yeah, they lost mar- the game. mark that down. That this is his first game. We need we need things to blame in case it doesn't go well. Um, to the prediction, I don't I, I don't think it's outlandish. Like I said uh, in the first hour, I think there's a good chance that Oklahoma wins the special teams phase. Now, that's not a guarantee, and. We haven't had a return for a touchdown yet this season. We've had a couple of nice ones on punt return. We've had a couple on kickoff return that looked like they were just one player away uh, from getting out into the open field. I think it's going to happen at some point, and it could happen against against KSU. I I don't think it's outlandish. They've they've beat everyone that they've played so far in return yardage. So, yeah. I'm okay with it. The only uh, doubt that I have is if OU wins the game 35-14 or 62-2, like most of the text line says, you're going to be kicking off yeah. a whole lot more than they are, which allows them more opportunities for return yards. So it may not be That's a good point. It may not be all that bad of a thing if they have more return yards than you tomorrow. Well, how about this? I think you've got to go off of instead of return yardage because there's there can be such a discrepancy in opportunities. I think maybe you have to go off of like the average return, right, or average starting field position, something like that. I've had to but, adjust my eyes, man. Like this new this new deal of having good starting field position for a drive. It's weird. Like I automatically. Yeah fixate my eyes on the 25-yard line when the OU offense rolls out on the field. That's what I'm used to. Now i got to look like on the plus side of the field or on like their own 41-yard line. It's, it's strange. This new field position craze, it's, it's, it's a change around here. It's great. Not only, not only that, you have to actually watch the change of possession, whether it's a <laughs> kickoff or a punt. It's not an automatic fair catch. You may get something from Mims. Mims ain't scared to, to try and make something happen back there. It's been a lot of fun. All right, uh, quick timeout. More from the rush coming up. Hour number two rolls on here from Pub W in Norman. Stay tuned. Are you a high school sports fan? KREFsports.tv is your new home for streaming sports and event coverage for Norman High and Norman North. And now, the home for Deer Creek, Moore, Southmore, Westmore. Edmund Memorial, Edmund Santa Fe, and Edmund North. Nine schools, one stop for live streaming events at KREFsports.tv. There's O.C. Jeff Levy saying, yeah, Kansas State's defense hasn't been the issue. They've actually been pretty good. We expect them to be pretty good on Saturday. Air Comfort Solutions text line 
34-39 football Friday on the rush. And the text line is exactly right. Like We don't even have to see this game to know what the big controversy with this team is going to be next week. It is definitely, absolutely, whoever texted this in got it right. It's going to be the Deshaun White slash Jaron Canick debate. That's what it'll be. <laughs> they got to get Canick out there more. What are we doing? Deshaun White missed that tackle on second and eight that let him have three yards. Like, you've got to get Canick out there. What, what, what are we doing here? Yeah. Yeah, that's probably right. That's a, that's a good prediction for what, the, what the next debate is going to be. It's a great prediction. <laughs> it's, it's amazing. And honestly, if, that, if that's the prediction, then Dylan Gabriel plays great and Eric Gray has another great game. Because I feel like we are on the right. verge of bringing back up the running back, who's running back one debate, and then people pouncing on Dylan Gabriel's not very good next week. Oh, wow. Yeah, that that nailed it. Is there any is there any other like maybe if one of the freshman wide receivers that we haven't seen much of make a make a big play late like if we finally see nick anderson get an opportunity out there and he does something big is that is that maybe maybe going to be the next one it's probably more likely to be Jaden gibson like nick anderson didn't even look like he was uh, i mean he was on the sideline he didn't look like he was dressed out last week i don't know if he's back yeah, this he's week been or not banged up so i i think i think he will be but i guess i don't know for sure yeah that's right the the canic thing is it's growing, and that's good. Like he, he is absolutely going to be a stud, and I know people don't want ever want to be patient with stuff like that, but you just need to be. I mean, it's it's he's going to get there, and he's going to get there soon. And a small snapshot in a game cannot make up for what Coach Venables and Ted Roof see him practice and on film every single day. I, it, I know it's hard sometimes to to take that in, but I, th- there is definitely not a campaign to keep Canick from getting on the field. No, right? no. I, and, and sometimes that, that may be the case, where you have a good player that is a total butthead off the field at practice, you know, going to class, getting in trouble, just not a good teammate where the fan base is clamoring for the guy to get out there and maybe coaching staffs aren't nearly as uh, nearly as happy about putting the guy on the field. Like Stuff like that may happen. I'm not going to say that it doesn't, but that is not the case with Canick. So you just have to tr- trust the process and trust what the, the coaching staff's going to do with him. Uh, what's I, best for the sh- – It would not shock me if he starts to, to chisel chisel away some more reps, but I, I I don't expect it yet to be in in meaningful moments of a football I, game. I think Deshaun White's going to be your starter all year long. Like, Canick may have more and more of a role defensively as the year goes on, but yeah. – Deshaun White's your guy at that position. I think he's going to have – again, he was having a great game, one of his best games here before he got ejected. Like, not, not a whole lot of people are talking about that. He'll have a great year, and Canick's your guy next year. I think it's – it may just be that simple. The hardest thing as a young player is learning how to tackle in space. And 
we've seen Canick miss some of those. And that's that is not a shot at him. It's it's a totally normal thing, an expected thing to happen. I with Deuce Vaughn, this is not the game to go No try that out, I wouldn't guess. No. No, and especially with what they do, with, with what they do pre-snap too, it it would be a more. Di- it's going to be if he gets out there a more difficult challenge for for Jaron Canick. Not, and I'm not saying that he's not capable of going out there against these guys and playing well, but it'll be more difficult than what he faced last week with Nebraska. Yeah, yeah, uh, I totally agree. Because um, I've seen Kanick some K-State is, teams in the past do some stuff pre-snap that caused OU yeah. a lot of issues. Um, I remember, and I don't know if it was so much pre-snap or just where the run was fit, but what, 2017? What was it, the first or second play of the game? They go 75 yards to the house with Alex Barnes for a touchdown. So I've, I've seen it happen before, unfortunately. Yeah. Man. All right, Teddy sounds like a uh, robot again, like he did to start the show today. So how about this? We'll uh, we'll take a quick timeout. We'll come back on the other side. We'll do a little what caught Teddy's eye. We got a lot of college football content in that segment today. Keep it locked on the ref. It's a football Friday. We're the homeless Sooner fans. Football Friday on the rush. What does that mean? Well, it's a Friday before a game day, so we're actually going to talk college football here, not play a bunch of music the day before. OU gets set to play a football game. <laughs> Tyler McComas and Teddy Lehman with you. We call this segment What Caught Teddy's Eye. Let's get to it. Store number one is. Well, first of all, quick shout-out uh, to our friends over at Roof Tech, former teammate of mine, Josh Tucker, runs the business over there, can handle any of your roofing needs. Um, I thought this was interesting. Kansas has sold out their stadium. Lubbock, Texas Tech has sold out their stadium and now Rutgers has sold out their stadium. What's going on this weekend with all of these schools piling bodies in for these football games? I don't know, but it's awesome, isn't it? Like I for one yeah. love to see like Rutgers, okay, yeah, that's fine. Like I, I like to see them get back to a respectful level, but KU and what's happening there is fascinating. And I am uh I'm rooting for them to, to take care of Duke tomorrow. I want them to be 6-0 and when they come in the Norman. I think that would be incredible if they, KU is like a top, top 15 team 6-0 and when they roll to, to Norman. You're right, they might be. Where they got Duke, Iowa State, and TCU all at home before they come here. It could happen. Yeah, the Iowa State game is going to be tough, but their offense is their offense is rolling right now. It's really impressive. Um the next thing, I thought this was interesting. See, I didn't see this early in the week, but I guess the USC-Oregon State line yes. started at, like, minus 13 for USC. Yep. And everyone piled on Oregon State and has moved that line all the way down to, I saw it, like, six and a half. Um, that's some huge movement based off of only, I think, a poor – what people view as a poor projection of what the actual game is going to be, and I, that's huge. Now, the one thing that I don't like to do is be on the side of the public. It, it feels like they're always wrong, but 
Uh, this feels like this is going to be the biggest challenge that USC has had so far this year it, yeah, by it, a long it, shot. It's not going to be close. And they, they wanted more money on Oregon State on this line, and they got it. And they better hope USC – if USC covers, then they're, they're going to make a whole lot of money off this game. But if Oregon State wins outright, then they might be on the hook here. Like this <laughs> it seems like yep. a, a ton of money came in on Oregon State on this line. And let's go, Beavs. Let's get that home win. As we talked about yesterday, Oregon State over the past 20 years has given a ton of trouble to USC and Corvallis. Corvallis. Let's, let's hope it happens tomorrow. I'm officially on the record. I'm picking the upset. Oregon State wins. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I also saw this. This is the last one that I've got. Um, five-star defensive lineman David Hicks has locked in a commitment date and has bumped it up, I believe, listening to you guys from where it was originally going to be. Some people thought this was going to be a a later-in-the-year type of thing. He's bumped it up. Feels like at least everyone is saying this is going to go Oklahoma's direction. Is Oklahoma about to land a five-star defensive lineman? Oh, yeah. Yeah, that's happening. 3.30 on ESPN next Wednesday, September 28th. You are correct. He did move up his commitment date. There was a thought in June and July, and I think that he said this, that he was going to commit in January at the earliest. And he's kind of you know moved up his timeline a little bit. There's always been those rumors, and now all of a sudden he's committing next Wednesday. Yeah, man, there's a real thought that OU's going to get Uh, Five-star David Hicks out of the state of Texas, which we've been waiting. Teddy, this is the guy that OU fans have been waiting on for the better part of a decade. You know, we've been saying, God, when are they going to get that Tommy Harris, Gerald McCoy type? you got to have those war daddies to win national championships. Like, this is the guy that you've been talking about, and I think that they're going to get his commitment next week. That's how big this is. And here's here's what's interesting. At least the way I view it now – Oklahoma is ranked number six in the in the team rankings, but you go all the way up to Texas, who's number two. There's hardly, I mean, there's only what a little over two points that separate Texas and Oklahoma. And locking up a five, this five-star defensive lineman who's one of the best players in the entire class probably moves Oklahoma up to the number two class in the country? There will be a wide margin between OU at two and three, four, and five. What this does, not only does it move you up to the number two class, it like really helps you solidify being the number two class. And OU's got yeah. other big targets out there. Like Honestly, if I'm guessing today, I think OU ends up with the number two overall class in this cycle, which will be the highest ranked class they've had in a long, long, long time. Long time. Wow, that's huge. Now, the next thing is is just more of a question for you. Rumored all along, what what's gone on with the the Southern Cal situation with Malachi Nelson and Makai Lemon and those kids? That's kind of just been. It's gotten really quiet. Quiet. Yeah, since the season started, and I don't know how much it's helped that USC's played really well offensively up to this point, and A and M has not, but. There was once a thought, a real thought, that it was imminent that he was going to flip to A&M. And I just – I don't get that feel like I did a month ago. I, 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 I still think I, that there's definitely possibility that he decommits from USC, but there was a lot stronger feeling on that a month ago. I feel like the worse A&M does offensively, the better chance 
they have at getting Malachi Nelson. He'd play right because away. The, pres- the pressure is going to be so heavy on Jimbo Fisher to make something happen at quarterback. I, I, we all know what's going on in IL down there. They are going to, to like give him it, give him Jimbo's buyout. It takes Jimbo will promise him his yeah. buyout if he comes to a uh, And M. Now listen here, son. You, you, you come here and you get this ninety-five million dollar buyout we have. All right. Now God over there at USC <laughs> won't offer you that, but I will. Yeah, that's all I got. Kent State head coach Sean Lewis saw him in here a couple yeah. weekends ago. They're playing the Georgia Bulldogs sure. in Athens on Saturday. Uh, Sean Lewis said earlier this week, quote, I don't think it's an exaggeration to say that Georgia is the greatest collection of talent that's ever been assembled on a football team, end quote. Woo! <laughs> Woo-wee! Yeah, that is – that's something there. Um, and he may not be wrong, <laughs> you know? He may not be wrong. They are – they're legit. I would go back, though, a couple years ago, that Bama team that had just all of those players, uh, Najee Harris, uh, all three wide receivers, quarterback. The whole the whole offense could have won the Heisman Trophy. But um, I, he, he may not be far off. They are incredible. Yeah, they're really good. Uh, I guess, and I haven't looked too much into the story. I just saw the headline. I guess there's a story out that Arizona State staffers were leaking information to help opponents to get Herm, Herm Edwards fired. Have you seen this? Now, we remember the story from a few years ago about, about yeah. a uh, play-by-play guy that was leaking information to opponents, like selling information. And we knew that there was some dislike between the assistants and Herm coming into the year. I guess they were trying to completely sabotage this year to get him fired midseason. Yeah, well, I'm not buying it. I'm not buying it. I, you know, what happens to the staff when Herm Edwards is fired? Oh, they're out the door too. I mean, yeah, it's going to be a total yeah. cleaning of house that's happen- that happens there. Not only are you out the door too, you, you are attaching yourself to the biggest no-no in all of sports, like giving information to the opponent. I, 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 you would never get hired again anywhere, no matter what you tried to say to justify it, Surely unless not. I'm seeing something wrong, right? That, there's no way that can be true. I, uh, I actually hope so, just because of the drama, but I do actually yeah, like Herm yeah. Edwards a little I, I'm bit. I'm with you. Don't we all like Herm Edwards a little yeah. bit, or is it just me? Uh, okay, so ESPN. Uh, we like the sound bites. Yeah, we do. How you get the beans over the frank? That's what Herm Edwards says. So the analytical numbers by ESPN, S and P plus, that uh, that analytical formula says OU by sixteen point one points tomorrow. The FPI projection says OU by fourteen point three. So if you believe in the analytics, the analytics say take OU minus the twelve and a half against Kansas State tomorrow. That's what it's telling you. Yeah. What do you say, though? I say 35-14, but I hate those uh, I hate those formulas. I will never make a pick yeah. based on what the FPI or the uh, S&P Plus says. Yeah. And I don't blame you. 
it's hard to make a pick off of something that you don't know what it is or what they use and what the formula is, right? And they don't tell you. I mean, they tell you some things that are in there, but they don't tell you how they come up with the number. You know, it may be a random number generator for all that we know. Yeah. Uh, so I agree with you there. Last one Anything I have. Else? Yeah, last one I have. It was I think it was Channel Four last night that was showing. Highlights of Broken Arrow and maybe it was Southmore, Southmore Broken Arrow plane. And the newscast said that Kiwan Jones' son, who is a freshman, is playing at Broken Arrow. And I don't know if you've kept up with him, but he looked like, as a freshman, pretty good little football player for him. It wouldn't shock me. I have not. I don't think I've seen Kiwan Jones since, I don't know, Probably uh, the 2003, probably, 2003 in a, well, I guess it'd be 2004 in New Orleans, Louisiana. Is that the last time? Yeah. Like the, in the locker room, getting ready for the game beforehand or maybe during the game. Uh, that would be it. I don't think I've seen him since. But it would not shock me um, because Kiwan was an unbelievable high school football player up there uh, at Jinx, so would not be a shock at all. Kiwan, That's cool. Kiwan That's cool. have may have the most memorable single play in Oklahoma high school football history. The play was that it he, like a ninety-nine yard run or something. Something. Yeah, I mean, it was late in the game. I don't know the exact yards, but the run that he had against Union in that backyard uh, in that game at uh, Skelly. I think it was Skelly Stadium then. I, I don't. I, I'm trying to think of another play in Oklahoma high school football history. Dahu Green had that incredible catch that went viral on YouTube. I think out of Westmore, but I think more people know about Kiwan Jones's play than any other. Text line can cor- correct me on that if I'm wrong. I think. Well, there's always a lot of talk about um, the blocked extra point double overtime I had against Wagner for the win. Um, oh, yeah, when, or their, the, uh, when their left guard served as Wagner's kicker that day and you somehow blocked it. Yeah, a lot of people do talk about that. Uh, hurdled the line of scrimmage, blocked it. Uh, and then others talk about the interception for a touchdown at Miami that I had about Boy, a 70-yarder, no big deal. You played an SEC schedule out there at Fort Gibson. Miami and Wagner. Yeah. I don't know how you did it. That's right. There you, go. you know, I think they talk right, more about the uh, what Weatherford did in the state championship game to that same Fort Gibson team. That's actually true. That's actually true. And uh, yeah, it was it was ugly. Uh, it was ugly. All right, quick timeout. More from the rush coming up. We'll wrap up hour number two next. Class. I can't help but think he's got to be embarrassed by his comments towards OU in elite talent. No. No, 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 no. Not at all. That's Won't not be... fun. Come on. Like, tell me that his class is barely going to be in the top 15, and he's like, oh, my God, those were dumb comments. I'm so embarrassed they out-recruited me. I said that you can't get elite talent there, but Brent Venable's proven that he can. I'd rather hear that. Well, but here's the thing. He – if if he ever like fessed up to that or admitted that that was a bad statement then he's admitting his shortcomings as a head coach and a recruiter yes. here at Oklahoma and right and so, don't do that that's a good point it's a really good point right that's what i'm telling you he so he won't he'll 
probably avoid it, and no one will ever bring it up. But if they did, I'm sure he'd have something creative, talk about what a great job that they've done here. Uh, I, I don't know. Jaden Gibson for sure tomorrow. He's going to make a crazy acrobatic catch one time, and people will blow their lids. Laughing face emoji. Maybe he'll make a George Pickens-like catch uh, on Ooh. Saturday. Impressive. Yeah, well, if they ever get a chance to go to him and he goes over the top of somebody, yeah, I'm sure that's going to be the re- reaction because we've watched it with our defensive backs for years with other big wideouts in this conference, and this is the real first opportunity we've had a, at a guy that could be a game breaker that's a six foot five, six six wideout. It just hasn't been something that we, we've had here. So, yeah, I can imagine people would lose their minds. The, yes. The, the drama that we need next week for the team, what's best for the show, is if uh, Javante Barnes is your leading rusher tomorrow. Like, I, I'm really – Yeah? Uh, yeah uh, yes. I, I'm really nervous that Eric Gray and Marcus Major – like they are the clear one-two punch moving forward, and we can't do the Javante Barnes PA voice guy. Huh? You know that makes me nervous. Hey man, he does have some pop, man. He's got, he's got some juice when he runs the ball. He's going to be a stud, and I, I love that. Like whenever we go to the young guys late in games where we're up, like. That's who we're handing the ball to. That's it's not bad. <laughs> he's better than he's better than a lot of the backs in the conference right now today. So, I like where our backfield's at. But I'm still shocked at the disappearing act on the Eric Gray haters. Well, they're they're hiding in the weeds. But at the first sign of adversity tomorrow, like he could run for a hunt, a buck forty tomorrow with a couple touchdowns. But if he has, like, a fumble early in the game, then ball security, clearly an issue. Not with Marcus Major. Put Major in. Yeah. What won't happen? They're just just ready. They know they can't say anything after last week's game, but they're ready to pounce. Is the theory about last week just how bad Nebraska is? Yeah, probably. Is that what they're leaning on? Yeah. Well, I don't know. We'll have some scuttlebutt, I'm sure, coming out of this, uh, this game. All right, quick timeout, final hour of the rush. Coming up from Pub W next.